It's Monday, the 13th of January, and this is the Monocle Minute. Today... France has been brought to a standstill over the past few weeks amid its longest transport strike in decades, as hundreds of thousands of protesters take to the streets to voice anger over pension reform. We'll ask what's fueling the nation's fury. Plus, what role should business play in the battle against climate change? I'm Ben Ryland in London. The Monocle Minute starts now. Around 450,000 protesters took to the streets in towns and cities across France last week in a show of fury against the government. That number included thousands of police officers angry at changes to their pensions, plus rail employees and more than a third of the nation's teachers. Monocle's Georgina Godwin has been following events and she's joined by Florence Biederman from the AFP. Georgina. This strike action has now lasted longer than the famous wildcat workers' stoppage in May 1968. It's particularly difficult for those who rely on the nation's rail network. Trains haven't been running smoothly since the 5th of December. Florence Biederman, why are people so furious? Because, I mean, uh, what the reform, Macron's reform, put into question is the fact that uh, you will have to work longer, whatever, uh, to have a, a good level of pension. Of course, I mean, rationally, everybody knows that a reform is needed. French people agree with that. A reform is needed because people's uh, age expectancy is higher and there is less birth. So in, in, a, in an aging country, of I mean, of course, people will have to, to work longer to sustain financially the system of, of pension. But, I mean, this has been very contentious because Prime Minister Philippe anchored in the law the fact that you would have to work till 64 uh, years to get a pension. And this was not something Macron had said when he said he would reform uh, the pension. So uh, the people have the feeling like they have been a, a bit cheated that Macron went further than uh, he announced in his electoral program. And the second important point is the fact that it's a general system based on points. The more you work, the more points you, you, you acquire, which will define the level of your pension. But how will this point be calculated? You know, maybe next government will think, oh, we need some money to balance the budget, so we are going to, to decrease the point. So this is, uh, uh, there are lots of questions and, and fear uh, mm. around the system itself. And a certain amount of disharmony then between the president and the prime minister. It's, it's not that obvious. I mean, Macron has been really in the back of the whole discussion. You know, he, he didn't come forward to defend the reform. He leaves it to his prime minister. I mean, that was something that was a reproach, like to the way he conducted his presidency in the first years, that he was always the one in the forefront announcing this, that, and always the one to take the blows. So this time he put his uh, prime minister in the first line for him to receive the blows. And he's the one, of course, acting uh, in the coup. But definitely they are working together on this. Mm. When you boil it down, it's really about a two year difference, which wouldn't seem that much. And yet it really is an enormous issue in France. The pension, you mean, to you? Yeah, it's 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 enormous because uh, it is also part of the welfare system, which of course benefits to too many people and which French people would like to to, to retain. So, uh, on the left spectrum of the society, it's something that you shouldn't touch. You know, you should have all these benefits, unemployment benefits. Uh, on the right side of the spectrum, it's considered as something that has to be liberalized and uh, and more flexible, which is the whole dynamic of the macro 
Macron presidency. He's here to reform, he's here to, to, to make the labor law more flexible, which he managed to do so far. And he's also here to, to make the pension system more flexible and in his, uh, in his view, more fair. Mm. Uh, what about sympathy from people in France? I mean, the transport stoppage is playing absolute havoc with people's day-to-day lives. It's certainly playing on their nerves every day. Let's say it's balanced by all these questions and worries uh, about the pension. So uh, when you're in Paris, like you can feel there is a tension because everybody has to walk a lot. Uh, nobody's sure to, to arrive at work in time. It takes you double time to go to your work. So there, there is still... A, there was, I'm surprised there was no major incident, no, no fights, nothing. I mean, there, there, you feel this tension, but you also feel that there is uh, this idea that maybe the, it's for a cause that concerns everybody. Mm. Now, there was a cause that concerned everybody, which seems to have just fizzled away, and that is the Gilets jaunes. The Gilets jaunes are still there. I mean, they are in the movement, not as such. But, I mean, it, it, it's not the same kind of movement. Definitely, this movement, these strikes are uh, led by the trade unions. And I think that's why also there is kind of a uh, structuring in it. Uh, the Gilets jaunes were much more uh, unorganized. And, and, yeah, they feel that also for this reason. But I think the social discontent and also the message of the Gilets jaunes has been completely understood by Macron. And that's why it changed his way of, uh, of leading the country. That's why he's in the back now. That's why he's more careful. And that's why he's uh, following that very closely, of course, but with the idea that you, you can go... How, how far can you go with, let's say, forcing the people to accept his reform? That's really the whole point now. And nobody has the answer so far. When will those strikes stop? Nobody is able to, to tell you that. Neither am I. Flora, <laughs> thank you very much indeed. Despite Emmanuel Macron's call for a quick compromise, talks on Friday failed to find a solution. A poll commissioned by Le Figaro found that 61% of the public feel that the strike is justified, while 57% want it to end. The freeze on train travel is the longest rail strike since the creation of the national rail system nearly a century ago. The question of how we can all be more sustainable in our everyday lives is only going to become more urgent as the world comes to terms with the realities of climate change. And while we can all usually choose to carry our groceries home without the aid of a plastic bag, such small changes really need to be matched by much bigger moves in the corporate sector. Here's our business editor, Venetia Rainey. So we're nearly halfway through January, and I bet you, like me, already struggling to keep to your New Year's resolutions. I also bet that one of those resolutions for 2020 had to do with being more sustainable. Maybe you promised yourself never to buy anything in plastic unless strictly necessary, or perhaps it was about flying less a la Greta Thunberg. But the supermarket always seems to be out of loose carrots when you visit, and your seamanship skills really aren't likely to be up to scratch in time for that little city break somewhere warm in February. Don't despair. Firstly, it's great that you're trying. Keep at it. But secondly, as much as every little bit counts, some bits count more than others. The sorts of changes that need to happen to really tackle climate change have to come from two places. The government and businesses, especially really big ones, as they're the ones who will be able to find the all-important large-scale solutions and change the way whole industries work. 
To move forward, we need to think big and long term. Taking your own tote bag shopping is really only going to get us so far. Denmark has the right idea. As part of its ambitious goal to cut CO2 emissions by 70% by 2050, Copenhagen recently launched 13 climate partnerships with some of the biggest Danish companies, such as Maersk in shipping, Netto, a budget supermarket chain, Orsted in energy, and Novo Nordisk in pharmaceuticals. The idea is for them to work with other leaders in their industries to identify ways to reduce emissions and to help each other. We need them to help find the solutions, as we don't know all of them today, explains Mads Colby, head of communications at the Ministry of Industry, Business and Financial Affairs. Going green is good for the climate, for businesses and for job creation. It's basically a no-brainer to go in that direction, she adds. Let's hope one of Boris Johnson's New Year's resolutions is to embark on a similarly enlightened path. And let's also hope that he's better at keeping his resolutions than the rest of us. Monocle's business editor, Venetia Rainey, there with that report. Elsewhere on today's agenda, ministers from Ethiopia, Sudan and Egypt will meet in Washington, D.C. today to report on progress made in talks over Ethiopia's controversial but hugely important $4.6 billion Grand Ethiopian Renaissance Dam. Tensions center around Ethiopia's use of the Blue Nile's waters for the dam. Egypt maintains that it poses an unacceptable threat to its supply of fresh water, while Ethiopia insists on its sovereign right to use the river as it sees fit and is relying on the dam as an energy generator to supply electricity, both for domestic use and export. Billionaire hedge fund manager Tom Steyer has surprised critics by qualifying for the Democratic TV debate taking place in Des Moines on Tuesday. But he's already drawn criticism from rival candidate Elizabeth Warren, who told MSNBC's Rachel Maddow that he'd essentially bought his way into the race. The same day that Kamala Harris, the same day that she's forced out of the primary, and she says it quite flatly because of money. It's the day that a billionaire buys his way onto the Democratic stage. Mike Mike Bloomberg joining the race. Well, and Tom Steyer made it onto that stage because he could reach in his own pocket. And with just under two weeks left to the Lunar New Year, this week marks the start of the world's largest annual mass migration which will take place across China. Some three billion trips are expected over the next 40 days as hundreds of millions of people embark on journeys back to their respective hometowns via land, air and train to celebrate the occasion. Read more about today's stories by subscribing to our daily email bulletin at our website. I'm Ben Brylan. The Monocle Minute returns on Tuesday. 